So, good morning. Good morning, everybody. Flip over to uh, Hebrews 4, and uh, we'll read verse 12. That'll get us started, anyway. All right, Jim. Yeah. Jimmy? Well, thank you. All right, so verse 12. Chapter 4, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation, try that one, eh? nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. There's a, we're going to be talking about the rich young ruler, for lack of a better term, that's what it's called, and in, in sin three of the four Gospels. There's a little short video. <laughs> this is the extent of my uh, PowerPoint thing. Right? But there's a video, Tim helped me with it, and it's just kind of get us in the, in the ballpark where, where we're at. Yes, it was, I learned a lot from Glenn. I really did. He, but uh, I started off this week. Uh, I had a lo- I, I have notes all over this 
thing. I've got more notes, I think, than um, than I've ever written, and I had a lot of uh, different directions that I wanted to go, and I had uh, a lot of what I thought were really um, insightful uh, things to say about this. Um, and as the time grows closer to actually standing up here and talking, it becomes it becomes more difficult because. He's so like us, this guy. That, you know, we can read through the, the, you know, Jesus has the little children come to him, and he he's get he gets rebuked from his followers to not not do that. You don't waste your time on this. He goes, no, no, wait a minute. He goes, let them come to me because this is what the kingdom of heaven is. People like this, this kind of quality is what you have to have in order to be there. Now, this rich young ruler, there's some. Uh, in some of the readings that I've done, and, and I, I will have to apologize because I didn't check it out completely, but he's a ruler of a synagogue. And that is quite often that a lot of the rulers of the synagogues and the people that were in charge of them, for lack of a better term, were wealthy people because they could devote their time and their energies to the weightier matters of the law and studying things out. And uh, so as a, I'm thinking to myself, as a a ruler in that capacity, he had to have known, this isn't a, a chance meeting. Oh, that guy sounded good. Let me go talk to him. He had to have known who Jesus was. Yeah. I mean, Jesus was turning this little little corner of the, of the world upside down with the stuff he was saying. Yeah. I mean, it, completely um, counterintuitive to everything that everybody was learning at the time. Mm -hmm. So this guy comes up to him, and I guess I'd like to say that I hold out hope for him. We'll get back to that, but mm -hmm. He comes up to him with, with a relatively honest and sincere request of him, doesn't he? You know, he comes up and says, hey, what do I need to do? And Jesus, um, you know, there's, some of them say good teacher. Or some of them say what good thing must I do. The operative thing here is, is, is his focus was, you know, I'm a pretty cool guy. What can I do to secure eternal life? You, you know, teach me that. Jesus had him at that. He had him at that because he said, hey, why, what are you calling me good for? Do you even know why you're calling me good or are you just throwing that out there because it's just so much, you know, I got thinking about that this week. I mean, how often do I use that term? You know, yeah, I'm pretty good at that or I'm good at this or that person's good at this and this. And it's, I don't know about you guys, but when you have to stand up here and give a lesson, I get embarrassed almost at how not good I am, you know, how, and I, I guess you're really not supposed to be too awful overwhelmed by that because we're not, yeah. but he, uh, he had him at, at that because he was basically saying that nobody is good but God, in a roundabout way, he's saying that he is God because we all know that he, that he wants, and he, uh, he tells him, he goes, all right, he goes, keep the commandments. And I love when he says, which ones? Isn't that so like us also? It's like, okay, I really don't want to do a whole lot more than half of you. Know? So if I can cover the bases with this, I'm all right. But he says, well, you know what they are. They're this, they're this. And he didn't give them in any particular order. didn't give them in the order that they were written down in the Old Testament. And he didn't start from the beginning and go all the way through them. Because Jesus didn't have to. Because he already knew where this guy was at. So he says, well, he goes, all of these I've kept since I was a boy. Well, that's an amazing statement. Yeah. That's an amazing statement. And it is so ludicrous to think that he could say something like that. 
But we do it also. We do it. The big lesson about this whole thing, I could boil this whole thing down, this is us. And, and he's him, and we need to follow that. I mean, that's pretty much the whole thing. But he says, all right. He goes, you're coming at me with the law. He goes, and the Mark's thing says, and Jesus loved him, you know, which is awesome. And he says, uh, he goes, all right, if you want to be perfect, because this seems to be where we're going with this whole thing, and we're, we're, we're using the law as a stepping stone to eternal life. All right, so fine. Here's how you'd be perfect. Sell everything you've got, give it to the poor, and come follow me. And then he walks away. And again, I, I, I'm struck in the face by, um, you ever read through the Bible and you say, I would never do that. I would never, ever do that. I've walked away from him so many times. I, maybe not over, over riches, but over something that I value, that I place a value on over and above God. And he shows him that there. He goes, you haven't kept all the commandments. You haven't kept any of the law because if you fall at one point of the law, you're guilty of the whole thing. He goes, right. I, can pr- I can show you. He didn't get into it. He didn't, deber- he didn't berate him. This is another beautiful thing about him. I, I, if I was Jesus, I probably would have done a half an hour on this guy about why he was so bad. But he already knew. So he goes, I uh, uh, lost my train of thought, guys. He, yeah, he... Uh, uh, totally lost it. Yeah. Well, yeah, he didn't braid him, but I, I, I lost the. I, this is what happens at 59, I guess. You know, I'm glad there was only 10 commands in there. Twelve, I would have been able to remember them. But he, he said, "Go and be, you know, give away everything that you've got." And I can't think of what I was going to say. I honestly can't think of it. So, anyway, that's embarrassing. I'm amazed at the fact that he he came at Jesus with a list, and God came at him with love. He came at Jesus with his own abilities, his confidence in his own abilities, and Jesus showed him immediately what he lacked. He didn't keep any of the commandments is where I was going to go. He didn't even get the first one right. Thou shalt not have any other God before me. And he didn't even have to mention the fact don't covet anything. So I get thinking about um, there's a spot in Hosea that talks about I, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. And how the, the guy kind of brought, uh, this is a, probably a bad thing to say, but he brought a knife to a gunfight with this one because he brought the law and he expected the law to do something that was never intended to do. And that, I think we have to watch out for that because it is so easy in Christianity to draw a line down the middle of a legal pad and put down the do's and the don'ts of Christianity. And I'm not saying that the do's and the don'ts aren't important because they are important because your life should show something, I don't do this anymore. Yeah. And I do do this. But it's not because I am doing it. It's not because I'm doing it, because there's only one that's good, and that's God. So if I've got anything in me at all, it's God working through me. But that is so hard to separate. I want that credit. I want to be involved in my own salvation. And 
surrendering everything is not the first thing I leap to. But it's the first thing he mentions to this guy here. It's, it's beautiful in its simplicity. But it's so hard to, it, I don't know. Amen. It's hard. I'm thankful that, that he didn't walk away mad. That he didn't walk away indignant or prideful. He walked away um, sad and greatly troubled. That actually is kind of hopeful in a, in a weird kind of way. Yeah. One, of the, one of the accounts says that his countenance fell like the gray sky on a rainy day. You know, that's kind of cool. Wow. But he, but he walked away. Who knows if he came back? He could have come back later on that day. He could have come back a week later, 10 years later, 15 years later. He didn't die. And God didn't condemn him. But Jesus had somewhere to go, and he had someplace to go in a hurry. He was going to be the sacrifice for all of us very shortly after this encounter. So he didn't mince any words with him. He met him exactly where his need was. I guess the big thing after stumbling through this whole little little bit is that's exactly where he meets all of us every single time. And when we turn away from him, we still can't turn away from him because in the I think it's the 139th Psalm talks about where can I go to get away? From, you know, where can I go to be away from you? I, I can ascend to the top of the mountains. I can go to the bottom here. I can do this. I can do. This. I'm always. He's all. The, the reality is, he's always in front of us. Yeah. He's always there. So if we have given up and we have walked away and we have placed something over and above him, which we do every day, we can always turn back. Amen. And there's a decision to be made, and I think Lenny's going to talk about decisions and whatnot with that. I'm, I've pretty much stumbled through that. So. Thanks a lot, Jim. Appreciate that. Um, so uh, that's a really beautiful flight right there. Jim and I are both from the Berkshires in Western Mass. That's right. That's not the Berkshires. Um, <laughs> our, our mountains are a little bit smaller than that, but, uh, but still very beautiful. Um, so I think uh, Tim has another slide for me. He put it up earlier. Is that five minutes, I think it said, and started counting down? <laughs> anyway, all right, all right. That's the extent of my joking. Um, okay, so I want to actually reread it. And you can go ahead and put up that slide of uh, Mark 10. That's okay. So, um, so I'm just going to focus on 17 through 22 here. Um, there's the, the story actually goes on for several more verses here where, he, where uh, Jesus kind of explains kind of a little bit more to the disciples that were with him. But let's just read this here. It says, As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you shall not defraud, honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack. He said, go, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. You know, um, <clears throat> I can't, I can't uh, compare to the acting that we saw earlier, of course, but 
he, um, you know, Jesus looks at this guy and he, he, he sees him in need. You know, the man comes up to him with something on his heart. You know, Jim kind of talked about, you know, he, he knew, even though he had been, been following these commandments his whole life, you know, trying to be a good person, trying to do the right thing, you know, being a nice guy, and even a man of social standing, you know, he had, he had achieved a lot of stuff in his life, and yet he knew something was missing. He was lacking something. So he comes up and he's like, what is it, you know, what, what, do, I, what do I need to do? And I'm working with uh, my little phone here because my, my laptop kind of went out, but um, so I'm going to be uh, straining a little bit to read some of this, but... Um, you know, he, um, <clears throat> the man focused on the, the, the Ten Commandments. You know, he says, which commandments? Of course, we know in the Old Testament, it's not just the Ten Commandments. You know, there were a lot of rules and regulations basically set out there for the, the Hebrews to follow. Um, but the Ten Commandments, he, um, you know, Jesus, Jesus says, well, you know what they are. And he lifts like the last half of them. And he talks about the ones that have to do with relationships, how we interact with other people, how to be a nice person. You know, he focuses on morality. You know, and this guy was a moral guy. He probably put all of us in here to shame, you know, because he was holding to the scriptures best he could um, in a works-oriented kind of way, you know, as in our modern vernacular. You know, he was looking for works salvation. You know, what, what must I do? And um, I just wanted to kind of reiterate a little bit of what Jim said or, or expound a little bit on it um, about uh, the fact that this man came to Jesus. He had a one-on-one -on -one audience with the Creator, with the Gospel itself. You know, truth. You know, in John 14, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's what the guy was looking for. He was looking for eternal life. He knew that he needed it, and he wanted it. And he knew where to find it. He knew it was in Jesus. Jesus had the words. Like Peter said on more than one occasion, you are the one who has the words of eternal life. And he did. But, it, but they weren't the words the man was expecting. You know, the man had his own agenda. On, or his own idea, his own expectation on what Jesus was going to tell him. Yeah. And he thought he was going to be able to, you know, just get a, a quick little, uh, little tip there, and he'd be able to make some adjustments and do something else or, right. Right. you know, whatever. And then, then he'd be good. He'd be all set to get right into heaven, <laughs> you know, have that hope. But, you know, the, um, you know Jesus says to him, Go sell all you have and give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. What was, the, what was Jesus calling this man to do? You know, it's very easy for us to go, well, he told him to sell all of his riches and, you know, give to the poor. You know, it's, but that's another thing to do, you know. That's not really what Jesus is getting at. Jesus' call to him was the same call that he had to so many others and to us. Follow me. Yeah. The other stuff was a precursor. He, knew, he, he said that because he knew that was what the, what the guy's hang-up was. It was his wealth. 
That's what stopped him from following Jesus. It was his riches. Maybe you're hung up on your riches. What riches? <laughs> we, all, we all have riches. Sitting in this room, come on, we, we've got riches. We've got some debts too, maybe, but we've got riches. And we, we've, we get very caught up in, in our riches. Maybe it's not riches, though. Maybe it's not your, your money. Maybe you don't really care if you've got a lot of money. Maybe, maybe you want you know, attention. Maybe you want some, some fame or at least some recognition. You know, maybe that's what, what, it, what really gives you that, uh, that satisfaction or a little bit of happiness. You know, you feel good about yourself at the end of the day because so-and-so paid you know, me this compliment or I was held up at work. You know, I got this award, you know, or I got to get up in front of the church and, you know, preach today or whatever. You know what I mean? This, these are the things that sometimes we, we put our hope in, the things that make us happy, where we, where we search for happiness. Maybe it's a relationship. You know, sometimes... You know, we, we put all of, our, all of our, our eggs into one basket, and that's, you know, being loved by other people. You know, and that's a, an important thing. I mean, we do need these things. God knows that. God knows we need, need, we need the encouragement from people around us. You know, but, but if that's where you're finding your happiness, you know, your peace, then you're, you're going the wrong direction. And this guy was going the wrong direction. Um, you know, he was, he had an idol, and his idol was, was money. You know, we probably have idols in our lives. You know, hopefully, as, as Christians here, we are always looking out for that. We're always trying to make sure that we're not having idols in our lives, because, um, because that's obviously wrong, right? You know, <laughs> we... Um, let me just read, uh, I've been reading that, that book, uh, Gospel, by J.D. Greer. Um, you know, I know uh, Glenn had suggested uh, that as a good read not too long ago. And uh, I'm a slow reader, so I've been working on it for like two months. I'm already over halfway through, though. No, I'm almost done with it, but uh, it's, it is very good. And I, and I spend some time, you know, there are days that I don't read it. There are days that I just really spend a lot of time just, you know, contemplating it and thinking about the stuff that I've read. And uh, I want to read a few, uh, few quotes from it. And let's see. First one says, um, on page 155, he says, Jesus did not come to make slight alterations to our lifestyles. He called us to live for a completely different kingdom, to pick up his cross and live like he did. You know, and for the sake of time, I'm not going to go to them. There's a number of scriptures there where Jesus says, Follow me. That was his call to a lot of, a lot of people. Whenever you come across people, follow me. And, you know, in, in uh, Luke 9, I think we will read that one. It is, uh, you don't have to turn there. It's uh, just a couple of quick scriptures there. But um, <clears throat> In Luke 9, verse 20, uh, 23 through 26. Then Jesus said to them all, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit his very self? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him 
when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and the holy angels. And in Luke 14, also, um, verses 27 and 33, I'm going to read here. It says, um, Jesus said, and this is in the midst of a bunch of other things he's saying, but he says, and anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. In the same way, any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. You know, the term Christian, which is typically what we use in our modern day. I know in our church we say disciple a lot, and we're referring to being a disciple of Jesus, right? And a disciple of Jesus or a Christian is someone who's following Jesus, someone who's striving to be like him. Amen. So if that is, that is who, what we're calling ourselves, if that's what we, what we think we're, we are and what we're trying to do, we have to hear Jesus' call. You know, it is to follow him. I love America. The United States is a great place to live. We have a lot of benefits and a lot of blessings here. What was it, last week? Uh, sorry, who has asked? Somebody came up here and they asked, you know, what's your favorite invention? Right? I didn't raise my hand. I didn't answer it, but I'm going to throw it out there right now. I love indoor plumbing. It's my, it's my favorite. <laughs> you know, I mean, just think about think about these simple things. <laughs> grew up where I grew up. You're gonna appreciate indoor plumbing. No, I'm just kidding. It wasn't that bad, but um, but but actually, um, and I'm not gonna. Yeah, I can't go there. We were running out of time, but but um, we um, you know, we need to think about what it is. See, Jesus, Jesus. Looked at this man, he loved him, he told him what he needed to do, which was follow him. And what did the man do? He turned around and walked away. You know, another thing, you know, Jim mentioned uh, one thing, what was it? Felt like rain, what was it? His face fell, whatever, you know, it's a... One, another version that I was reading said, gloom spread over the man's face. Oh, man. I mean, and you know what, I could just see the man just turning pale because he, I think he realized what Jesus was saying and I think you know and this is really more of what I was going to talk about I'm, I'm actually uh, going to kind of condense this right down because we're going to wrap it up in just a minute here but, but really I, I was thinking about you know free will Our, we have free will and we have to make choices Jesus gave this man a choice it was in the form of a command you know he tells him what he needs to do but it's a choice because Jesus didn't stop him from making that choice. He didn't stop him from walking away. And, you know, amen. I hope the guy did make a decision later on and say, oh, man, what am I doing? I got I to gotta follow him. You know, the, all these things, it's not worth it. You know, but he had a choice. And he made his choice, at least right then and there. He made his choice that his, his wealth was more important than his eternal life. Guys, I've heard it said many times that we're on a spiritual journey. You know, I'm on a spiritual journey. Well, amen. I think that's true in a lot of ways. But you know what? The fact is, we're on a physical journey. We're spiritual beings on a physical journey. This life, I mean, I know we've, we've all lost people that we love. You know, and I, I know that some have lost people very recently. And it's hard. You know, two of my classmates this year, you know, my old high school classmates, 
you know, passed away this year. It's like, man, that's hard. This life is short. Um, And so, spiritually, where are you right now? What is your focus on? Are you, are you really looking for eternal life? Do you really want it? That's the only, your, your spiritual life, your soul, that's what's going to continue when this life is done. You know, it's your, anything else that you're holding on to or anything else that you cherish in this life, it's going to pass away too. Um, doesn't mean we neglect it while we're here. You know, we want to make the most of the time that we're here and be responsible and everything, but, but guys, take care of your spiritual condition. Follow Jesus. You know, listen to him. Become like him as best we can. It's not about the doing becoming like him. It's becoming like him because we're following him. If you're following him, it's just going to happen. You're going to become more like him if you're following him. If you keep your eyes fixed on him, you know, you're going to become more like him. So make, make some good choices, you know, and guys, let's help, help each other to make good choices. Okay, I need, I need the help. <laughs> I know you know that. But, you know, I, I want to um, just throw it out there too. You know, if you see me um, idolizing things in this world and, and not putting Jesus first, call me on it. Because I, I, you know, I, slip, I slip up sometimes too. I mess up and uh, I need your help. And I'm going to do my best to help you guys too. So Amen. I love you guys. Amen.